This episode includes depictions of graphic violence, rape, coercion, sexual situations, and ableism. Listener discretion is advised, especially for listeners under 13. Please note, the story you're about to hear is not a direct retelling of any one story of Trauco and Fura. Today's episode combines features from a number of Chilote legends for dramatic effect. Hello everyone, I'm Vanessa Richardson, and welcome to Mythical Monsters, a Spotify original from Parcast. Last week, we met the playful river dolphin turned sexual predator known as Boto Encantado. This week, we leave the Amazon and head south to the coast of Chile. Within one island's verdant forest, you'll find a monstrous married couple who would love you to join their fun. So play along if you can, but keep your eyes on the ground. If they notice you're looking, you may never see again. This is Mythical Monsters, Monsters of Seduction. You can find all episodes of Mythical Monsters and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. Coming up, a predator tracks a beautiful woman in the woods. Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. The new moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money maker. Play the game and you could win money, up to $2 million. With more than $88 million in prizes, ranging from $50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. There's a new class of blockbuster drugs. Drugs like Ozempic. They're changing bodies. And all of a sudden, just the weight starts falling off. Fortunes. It just got too expensive. They're just bank breakers. And industries. There was a lot of excitement. There was a lot of skepticism. The impact of these drugs from business to health is just beginning. From the journal, Trillion Dollar Shot. Find it in the journal feed wherever you get your podcasts. It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like, what the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. Chiloé is a small island off the coast of Chile with its own distinctive culture. Though some Spanish did settle on the island, Chiloé was often cut off from both supply ships and the colonial government of the mainland. Isolated together, the indigenous population and Spanish colonizers intermingled much more than in the rest of the country. They had to if they wanted to survive. Chiloé is partly covered with temperate rainforest. This means heavy rainfall and temperatures that can hover just above freezing. The island's inhabitants live primarily on the coast, in the few breaks in the wilderness. 
the forest is a constant threatening presence, especially if you reach the deepest, darkest part of these woods, where you'll find the troll Trauco and his wife, Fura. Trauco has no feet, so he hangs from trees to scout for prey. If he finds a woman he likes, he knocks her out with a single touch. Fura likes to bathe in the marsh and waterfalls. If she sees a man walk by, she disguises herself in the mud to seduce him. They're always on the hunt, and there's no resisting either of them. Not until they've had their fill of you. Ophelia's town was starving. That would not change until the rains came again. She knew it. They knew it. And yet they were still lying to themselves. Ophelia's promised love, Katiguala, was the worst of them. He stared at the empty fish traps all day, willing them to fill. He searched shellfish beds that had been picked over months ago. He seemed to think that if he watched the wilted potato plants long enough, they would grow. Ophelia knew that the best chance they had was the forest. It had surrounded and shadowed them for so long, harboring game, fruit, and medicinal flowers. Yet no one ventured in. In no small part because Zoraida, their village's machi, or shaman, had warned them about what dwelled there. Trauco the troll and his fickle wife, Fura. Zoraida had warned Ophelia on the day she became a woman. She must flee any sound of knocking in the woods, for it was Trauco's axe against the trees. If she heard the third knock, he would catch her. Then there would be nothing for her, no way out. But Ophelia was too hungry to stay away anymore. She stepped into the forest. It was early morning, so the sun was struggling through the crowded tree canopy high above her head. Every surface, from the forest floor to the widest tree trunk, was covered in vibrant moss. Vines and branches arched over her. It was a beautiful image, until she realized how much it looked like a net prepared to fall on her. She hurried on, clutching her whalebone dagger tightly in her hand. And then... She heard it. A loud knock sounded through the forest, like a woodpecker amplified a hundredfold. Ophelia's ears rang. She remembered her machi's words. No, not already. She hadn't even found a bite to eat yet, but she needed to run. Another knock echoed through the cage of trees, even louder this time. Ophelia tried to keep moving her legs, but the vibration was too much. She sank to the ground, ears bleeding. A third knock. It shook her whole body. Tears ran down her cheeks. Then suddenly, it stopped. Ophelia opened her eyes. She saw two sticks standing upright in front of her. No, they weren't sticks. Legs. 
Yet they didn't have feet. They ended at the ankle. Trauco the troll. Ophelia's eyes traveled up cautiously. The troll was short and lumpy looking, with a stubby axe slung over one shoulder. He had a long face with a sharply cut chin and a too wide mouth. But Trauco's voice was musical, charming. Well, hello, little girl. Where are we off to today? Ophelia's tongue was heavy in her mouth. Her throat was dry and her belly ached. She didn't know how to lie in this state. And maybe, just maybe, he'd have mercy. I'm looking for food. My village is starving. Can you help me? He looked her up and down. If you help me first... He was about two feet shorter than her, yet Ophelia could feel his unseen power pressing down on her. She swallowed. She knew what he wanted and that he could get it easily, effortlessly. Perhaps it was better to lay down of her own accord. Maybe then he would help her. No, he didn't care that she was starving. She needed to get away. But Trauco's eyes were so beautiful yellow with a black center, like flowers. A deep sigh left Ophelia's lungs, but it didn't feel like it had come from her. She'd wanted to run, hadn't she? She'd wanted to resist, but she couldn't move. Trauco pushed her down with the handle of his axe. Ophelia felt like she was underwater, but it was worse than swimming in the icy sea. At least there she could fight back against the numbness. She could feel his hands on her. She told herself to struggle, but her body did nothing. There was the strangest gap between her panicked mind and her swiftly warming body. The pleasant buzz of her nerves became overwhelming. Her chest heaved with each breath as he leered closer. His too wide smile seemed to extend beyond his face. I'm going to give you a gift, little girl. Now be good. Ophelia let out a whimper, and mercifully, her mind disappeared into darkness. The moon had risen by the time Ophelia snapped awake. The moss beneath her chilled the back of her neck. She looked down. A web of colorful leaves covered her body. It was intricate and lovely, a gift from a kind, beautiful spirit. Perhaps her encounter with Trauco had been a dream. But then she felt it, the tightness, tiredness, soreness. Her clothes were must, her hair knotted. She was still holding the useless bone dagger in her hand. It had been no dream. A keening cry left her mouth. Her throat burned, but she couldn't stop. She forced herself to get to her feet. Each step felt shaky. The impact sent tremors up and down her body, but she wanted to be home. She needed to be home. She needed Katiguala to hold her. Or maybe she didn't want to ever be held again. She threw up on the side of the path and staggered back to town. Katiguala would understand, wouldn't he? 
He had to. Coming up, we enter the troll's den. Love. It's been the subject of poems, novels, music, and film. It's also been the driving force behind some of the most horrendous crimes in history. Hi, I'm Vanessa Richardson. Join me for season two of Criminal Couples and meet the lovers who took their passion to perilous lengths. Featuring standout episodes from female criminals, serial killers, solved murders, and crimes of passion, this season of Criminal Couples gets to the heart of what makes two turn to a life of murderous crime. Some couples were set off by revenge or greed. Others were fueled by sex and drugs. All acted in the name of love. Discover the darker side of desire in season two of the Spotify original from Parcast, Criminal Couples. Follow for free and tune in every Monday, only on Spotify. Now back to the story. Katiguala understood. Of course he did. Ophelia was the bravest person he knew, and nothing would ever change that. He made sure he didn't treat her differently after her horrible experience in the woods. But over the next four months, as the famine ended and the child in Ophelia's stomach grew, it was harder to forget. Harder to tell her it was going to be all right. Sometimes she couldn't sleep without holding him. Sometimes she woke up screaming. He asked her what he could do many, many times. She just told him to be there. It never felt like enough. So he went to Zoraida, the Machi. I need to defeat Trauco for Ophelia. Zoraida shook her head. It is not for her. It is for you. Katiguala wanted to argue, but he knew he wouldn't get his answers that way. I am going in, Machi, with or without your help. Zoraida looked unconvinced, but she gave a small nod and walked over to her table, laden with ingredients. She put two small bags in Katiguala's hands. Sand and ash. Drop them to delay him, but if you do, he'll come back twice as angry. She shivered. Believe me, I know. Katiguala felt his stomach drop. This was obviously a painful secret for Zoraida, and he didn't know how to respond. After many breaths, he held out his hand to her. She took it. I am so sorry, Machi. I will kill him. You need only tell me how. Zoraida shifted on her feet. It was strange to see an old wise woman so uncomfortable. It's said that he can be burned over a hearth, but he rarely enters the village. You would have to go to his hut in the woods, the one he shares with his wife, Fura. And Fura, she is not a problem you can solve with a rope or a knife. She will do with you what she wishes. And if she catches you looking at her while she has her way, she will curse you with every malady and every injury a man can have. Pain everlasting. Katiguala swallowed. That didn't sound good. But the important part was, Trauco could be killed. 
he rushed to tell Ophelia what he'd learned. Still, she begged him. You mustn't go in there. He will get you, or she will. I'll be left alone. Don't leave me alone. Kadiguala held her close. I won't be long. I only need to hunt him. Then I will come home to you, and you won't ever need to cry again. Ophelia shook her head and clung to his clothes, but he wouldn't be moved. He grabbed his club, dagger, and rope and headed into the woods. He knew Ophelia had been attacked not too far from the woods entrance, so he started there. He took the same swift, quiet steps he used when he was hunting sea lions. He walked parallel to the path to avoid being detected by Trauco. But there was no sign of the troll. Katiguala moved deeper into the woods. Soon it became hard to walk parallel to the path because there was no path at all. The sun dipped lower. The trees cast dark shadows on the mossy ground. Katiguala did not want to spend the night in the woods, but there was no hope of returning before the moon rose. He decided to seek out the hollow of some tree or another, but then he saw a small curl of smoke in the distance. He tiptoed between the branches until he got close enough to look. It was a little hut, no larger than the ones in the village, but it glowed as brightly as the moon. Kadiguala crept closer until he was just below the nearest window. He took a quick peek. Trauco was even uglier than Ophelia had described him. The stumps of his legs were bruised and bloody. His face looked more like a distorted reflection on a lake than a person, but he was smiling smiling at his wife. Fiora was his size, round and lumpy, with dark, wild hair. She bustled about from the cook fire to her husband and back. She gave him a peck on his sunken cheek each time she did. I'm sorry the hunt was so scarce tonight, my perfect love, she said. Tomorrow will be better. Trauco grumbled under her doting, I'll go into the village soon. Sick of this wait. Fiora pulled the pot off the fire. Kadiguala could have sworn he'd seen a human foot sticking out of the bowl, but maybe it was his imagination. Fiora came over and sat on Trauco's lap. He let out a pleased groan. Kadiguala tried to suppress his anger as Fiora bounced happily on her husband's knee. Tell me a story, one I know but love to hear again. Trauco chuckled. How about the girl with the dagger? Fura clapped her hands and squealed. Yes! Trauco leaned back with a smile on his face. Well, she told me something about being hungry, so I had to give her something, of course. Katiguala nearly leapt in through the window. He wouldn't let them talk about Ophelia this way. He had his charms against Trauco. At least one of them must affect Fiora, too. He heard Fiora giggle. He needed to do this now. He lifted his head, but then something pushed it back down. A delicate, familiar touch. 
He looked up to see Ophelia crouched beside him. He gasped. She shoved her hand over his mouth. Katiguala couldn't decide if he was angry or overjoyed. He loved seeing Ophelia every moment of every day, but not in this horrible place. He hissed, What are you doing here? She whispered back, Keeping you alive. You've forgotten what Zoraida said already. You cannot attack them. We need to go home. Katiguala shook his head. He held out the charms. They all work on Trauco, Ophelia, Zoraida told me. Ophelia's eyes lit up ever so slightly. Katiguala latched onto the sight. Let's compromise. We'll wait until Fura leaves. Then we'll finish him together, all right? Ophelia looked hesitant, but then they heard that giggle again. Oh, yes, Trauco, yes, just like her, yes. Ophelia's eyes hardened. Fine. The night was painful. The trolls were loud and disgusting, but especially loud. Finally, the sun began to rise. Katiguala and Ophelia retreated into the reeds beside the house and waited for the trolls to emerge. Fura came first. She was wearing an oddly sweet-looking red dress. She blew Trauco a kiss in the doorway and headed towards the marsh on the opposite side of the house. Katiguala and Ophelia waited and waited, but Trauco didn't appear. Katiguala got tired of watching. He snuck up to the window and looked in again. Trauco was asleep. He let out a massive snore every other breath. Katiguala waved Ophelia over. This was their chance. Katiguala and Ophelia snuck into the hut. He carried a long rope and she carried the bags of sand and ash. Trauco let out an earth-shattering snore. Ophelia flinched but kept moving. Katiguala angled the loop of the rope over the stumps where Trauco's feet should be. Then he dropped it and pulled. The loop caught as Trauco woke up. He launched himself at Katiguala, but Ophelia stood in the way. Remember me? She said. She blew a pinch of sand into Trauco's face. He staggered backwards, coughing. Katiguala yanked Trauco off his stumps and dragged him towards the fire. He threw the rope over a ceiling beam and pulled. Trauco clawed at the furniture. Every time he got a hold, Ophelia dropped a pinch of sand or ash. Trauco let go, forced to count the grains on the floor. No matter how fast he counted, it wasn't quick enough. The rope pulled Trauco up. He hung suspended over his wife's own cook fire. He struggled to get words out between the numbers. 3,012, 3,013, you'll pay, you'll pay! 3,014, 3,015, you don't know what you've done! With a sudden spurt of flame, his body caught on fire. His skin snapped and bubbled. He screamed out his counting, but he couldn't stop. His high cheekbones and eerily wide smile melted. He screeched and moaned each number until his throat was gone. 
Finally, what was left hung limp over the fire. Flames licked at his shoulders as Katiguala put his arm around Ophelia. They'd done it. They'd really done it. There was a sound outside, airy and wet, like the marsh itself was breathing. Footsteps echoed through the trees. Ophelia turned to Katiguala, eyes wide. What do we do? Katiguala ran to the window. She's here. We have to hide. Maybe... He searched around the small room for some hope of safety, but there was nothing. He choked back tears and tried to apologize. Ophelia interrupted him. Remember, you mustn't look at her. If a man looks at her in the act... She didn't get to finish. Fiora stood in the doorway. Katiguala and Ophelia froze. The burning corpse of Trauco still hung behind them. Katiguala was certain this was the end. She would curse them forever, mangle their bodies and minds, kill the baby inside of Ophelia. Instead, Fiora laughed. <laughs> oh, you stupid little humans. Now the fun begins. Coming up, our lovers meet Trauco's wife up close and personal. Now back to the story. Ophelia squeezed Katiguala's hand as tightly as she could. If this was how they were going to meet their ends, she wanted to fight with him by her side. Together, they would face Fiora's rage at Trauco's death. And yet, Fiora seemed unfazed at her husband's passing. She scoffed, You think you have any power here? Any hope? Nothing can harm us. It's only a matter of time before he returns. But until then, you belong to me. Ophelia didn't understand. She could feel her baby kicking, Trauco's baby kicking, as if it knew something too. Then things changed very fast. The rope that held Trauco's body snapped. The corpse fell into the fire. Embers popped as the flames engulfed him. But even as his body burned, Ophelia felt an invisible force against her back, just like the one Trauco used in the woods. She screamed to Katiguala for help, but he didn't answer. The force slammed her into the ground. Ophelia tried to protect her stomach, but it was no use. She coughed up what might have been blood. Then she raised her eyes to Katiguala. He wasn't moving, but he wasn't still exactly, more like locked, held in place by bonds they both couldn't see. Ophelia realized that this is what she must have looked like as Trauco hurt her, and Fiora was about to. Ophelia tried to jump to her feet to protect Katiguala, but she couldn't move either. She pleaded, Please, you can't. We'll do anything, anything. Fiora laughed. I want nothing I cannot get myself, little girl. Speaking of... 
She ripped the bags of sand and ash out of Ophelia's immobilized hands. She tied them tight and set them down on the table. That's enough of that, I think. She gave a nod to the far corner of the room. Ophelia's feet moved of their own accord. They marched her over to the wall. Her foot lifted and spun her back towards Fiora. Fiora smiled at her. Good. I want you to see this. She approached Cadiguala. He shut his eyes tight. Ophelia was grateful that he remembered what Zoraida said. If a man looked at her when she had him in her power, he would be cursed for all time. Fiora ran her fingernails across Cadiguala's cheekbone. She whispered softly in his ear before giving him a lingering kiss. Ophelia struggled against the invisible force. Please, please, he was trying to help me. Don't hurt him. Fiora looked offended. Hurt him? I'm giving him a gift. You're all so ungrateful. You take my husband from me, so I'll take something from you while I wait for him to return. Katiguala was biting his lip. His eyes were closed, but bulging. Fiora noticed. Open, she said. Her smile grew more wicked by the minute. Katiguala twitched at her words, but he kept them closed. Fiora looked annoyed. She breathed against his ear. Open. Katiguala's eyes snapped open. They were unnaturally wide, as if someone held them apart by pinching them. Fiora tried to catch his eye, but Katiguala had fixed his gaze on Ophelia. Fiora whined in frustration. Stop that! Look at me! She ran her hands along his chest, but Katiguala only had eyes for Ophelia. Tears slid down Ophelia's still face. She held her partner's gaze and whispered every apology as the troll touched him. I'm sorry this happened. I'm sorry I put you in danger. This is all my fault. Katiguala blinked. He shouldn't have been able to, but he blinked. A soft, gentle sound left his lips. At first, Ophelia worried it was a cry of pain, but then she realized she knew that look. Sympathy, forgiveness, reassurance that there was nothing to apologize for. She looked at him, and he looked at her. Time passed like the slowest crawl of a snail. Night fell. Fiora's eyelids drooped. She tossed Cariguala aside like a forgotten toy and climbed into bed. She was snoring before her head hit the pillow. Behind them, the fire had gone out. Patches of the corpse's blackened surface were shiny and pink with new skin. Trauco was healing. Ophelia felt the force that held her ebbing away. She rushed over to Cariguala and put his arm over her shoulders, but he pushed her away. He picked up his club from the dirt floor and stood over the sleeping Fiora. She thinks she can do what she wants, that she can get away with it. Cariguala gripped the club tight. He glared at Fiora. She doesn't get to, she doesn't get to. 
Ophelia slid her hand into his. I know it hurts, my love, I do, and I'll follow you to the farthest reaches of the deepest seas, but this won't help. There is no real way to kill her, so this is about what you need, what you want. He turned to look at her, his eyes softened, melting into the look he'd given her when they were small. I want to go home. Ophelia held him close, humming softly to him as he cried. Then she helped him limp out of the hut. The moon was full, the forest was eerily beautiful, a mix of pale white light and deepest shadow. Ophelia felt the baby kick. Katiguala's voice was nearly swallowed in tears and exhaustion. Both of you all right? She gave him a gentle smile. Yes, you? Katiguala nodded his head forward. Ophelia followed his look through the trees to their small village near the beach. I will be, I think. Behind them, somewhere in the darkness, a knocking sounded against a tree, so they hurried on. They couldn't be sure if it was a woodpecker or an axe. Rape culture constantly asks what victims could have done better. What were you wearing? What were you drinking? What did you say? The legends of Trauco and Fiora erase these questions entirely. There is no resisting them. And in many cases, the victim's own purity is what makes them vulnerable to the monster. Trauco prefers virgins above all. Traditionally, a woman who Trauco impregnates isn't blamed for her state. Her child is brought up as a member of the community rather than an object of shame. Conservative parents can forgive their daughters for what would otherwise be seen as sexual trespasses. Fiora serves a similar purpose when it comes to sexual assault against men. If a predatory monster hurt the survivor, it's harder to blame him or question his masculinity. Though there are tales of people killing Trauco, he somehow always returns in the next story. It seems the trolls, like the threats they represent, always remain waiting in the forbidden woods. Perhaps it's what happens after the forest that matters the most. If you're caught in this couple's clutches, you can't entirely escape. But you can try to forgive yourself for horrors that aren't your fault. And that keeps the monsters at bay. Thanks for listening to Mythical Monsters. We'll be back next week with another Monster of Seduction. You can find all episodes of Mythical Monsters and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify. I'll see you next time. Mythical Monsters is a Spotify original from ParCast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Brian Golub, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Freddie Beckley. 
This episode of Mythical Monsters was written by Lil D. Ritter and Jen Rache, with writing assistance by Molly Quinlan and Nora Battelle, fact-checking by Bennett Logan, and research by Coleman Gray. I'm Vanessa Richardson. It's been said that love is a many-splendored thing. That is, until it's not. In season two of Criminal Couples, discover true stories of couples who turned their love lives into a life of crime. Lies and deceit are just the beginning. Follow the Spotify original from Parcast, Criminal Couples. Catch new episodes every Monday, free and only on Spotify. Spotify.